Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Well, good morning, Three Creeks Church. My name is Cody McManaway be an elder here at Three Creeks, and that means I get the good pleasure of teaching on some Sunday mornings. And so I'm excited to be with you this morning, and I'm excited to continue our series we've called Locally Grown. And this is our chance to dive into Galatians chapter 5, looking at the fruit or the fruits of the Spirit. And today we're going to focus on goodness. And as I was thinking about the message this week, it hit me like, we use the word good so much every day. I'm sure you've heard it today. Well, I'm, I'm certain because I said good morning when I came up here, but maybe you heard it coming in through the halls. You heard good morning, good to see you, good day. Did you have a good week? We use this word a lot. And I thought I would compile a list of phrases for us. Every good message starts with a list. And so here we go. Good deal, good spell, all in good time. As good as done, good as gold, as good as it gets, good as new, good to go, good sport, good job, good turn, for good, good for you, good riddance, too good to be true, and good part, good time, good grief, good hearted, good on you, good nature, good sense, good time, <clears throat> good weather, good spirits, good sheep, good old boy, good fortune, good measure, good Samaritan, common good. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Did anybody use that this morning? Please, please raise your hand if you did. I would like to understand that one. We use it a lot, and those, those expressions don't really tell us much about what good is. It feels like we can really just use it to describe anything. I saw where other words we could use for good were acceptable, excellent, great, quality, gnarly, and agreeable. And to me, some of those are better than good, and some are maybe less than good. So those weren't really helpful either, so then I thought, all right, goodness must come from good. But surely it's more than just a noun, meaning to be good. That's not good enough. And so for goodness, I found decency, integrity, morality, righteousness, and generosity. And that's more of the focus for this morning's fruit of the Spirit. And so I asked Joel this because I said, Joel, how do I knock it out of the park with Three Creeks? What's something I can do on Sunday? He said, you know what? If there's one thing I know about Three Creeks, they love lists. And so you just want to hit them with as many lists as you can. And so that's what we're going to do today. That's just the first of many. So, um, But I actually reached out to a couple experts on this topic this week just to say, hey, help me with my message. What do you think good means? What do you think goodness means and how we apply it to our lives? And so I have a video to show, and so we're going to take a look at their input into this topic. <laughs> All right, Daddy's got a couple quick questions for you, okay? Okay. First question, Nora. What does it mean to be good? Um, it means you have to 
be kind to other people. It's pretty good. Miles, what do you think it means to be good? <laughs> okay. All right, we'll start this question with Miles. Miles, what do you think the word goodness means? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness? <laughs> yeah. Nora, do you want to answer? What do you think the word goodness means? Love. It means love? That's pretty good. You have any other thoughts on being good or good versus bad or goodness? Being good to other people. Being good to other people. And letting people go first in line. Oh, that's nice. Miles, anything else? Be nice. Be nice. Miles, how do you practice being good? <laughs> hey, just let him answer. Do you want Nora to answer this one? Uh -huh. Okay. Nora, how do you practice being good? Mommy teaches us. Mommy teaches you? Mm -hmm. And then what do you do to be good? You have to let people, you can let people go first in line or, or you can, or you can give food to other people. Mmm, that's good. Miles, how are you a good boy? Daddy teaches me. Daddy teaches you? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right, clearly not experts on the topic. I don't know if you can tell, but Miles is our middle child based on his answer, how do you practice being good? Uh, but those are our two oldest kids, Nora and Miles. Nora's five, Miles is three. And you might be wondering, why would you ask a five and a three-year-old for expertise or knowledge on this topic? And it's because I think there's this, there's this innate understanding of what it means to be good. We understand good versus bad on a pretty basic level. If I say, hey, we're gonna have good weather today, you have a pretty good idea what that means. Or I'm having a good day, you know what that means. If I say, hey, how was the Barbie movie? And you say, it was good. I know what that means. But if we, we take that and we apply it to goodness and we say, hey, is the weather demonstrating goodness today? I mean, I'm a summer fanboy, so I would actually say yes, but that's not, that's not really what you would ask there. If you said, is your day full of goodness, or was the Barbie movie full of goodness? You'd probably you'd be like, eh, I don't really think so, but I'm not sure. And so I think there's this innate understanding of good, but there's this, there's this complexity. There's more to it when we think about goodness. So enough of lists, enough of expert videos. We're going to get into the Bible. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 5. And so we're actually going to get into the original Greek. And I am no Greek expert, so don't let that scare you. We're not going to get too crazy today. There's really just one word I want to focus on. We find it in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. And they say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so when we see the word goodness here, this Greek word, 
if there are Greek experts here, please forgive me for how I'm sure I will butcher this word, but it's agathusene. We'll stick with that. We see this word used four times in the Bible, and it's actually not found in Greek secular texts. It's only found in Greek biblical texts. And chapter 5 of Galatians is one of those four times. And this word is, is more focused on the concern for the well-being of others. It's, it's active. It's, it's active benefiting of others and the rebuilding of others as well. And so we find this word only four times, like I said, and it's only in the New Testament, which is where Galatians is. And the New Testament is really just like the second half of the Bible, focused on the life and ministry and death of Jesus, and then a little bit of what comes after. And it's, that was all originally written in Greek. And so we find the four uses of this word in the New Testament, the first being in Galatians. And a couple weeks ago, when Joel was talking about patience, he he took a moment to really describe the imagery of calling these virtues fruits. And he talked about an apple tree requiring years before it produces a single apple. And that imagery really landed for me because this was the first summer my wife and I tried to do a garden, and we heard people talking about their tomato plants and their strawberries and green beans just exploding, and we were like, this is it. This is the summer. We are self-sufficient. We're not going to Kroger anymore. Like, we're going to have it made. I think we've gotten four strawberries. Um, we have like half of a cucumber, and all our kale got eaten. I don't know what ate that. So it's not going great, but we'll get there. But I say that to say these things, they take time, and they take effort. And so that's how we should view the fruits of the Spirit, and that's how we should view goodness. It's something that requires time. It also requires living in step with the Spirit. And in verses 24 through 25, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so when Paul lists these virtues right after a few verses before, there's a list of vices. It's actually a, a pretty common literary tool in the Greco Greco-Roman world, and so he's appealing to a, a common tool to say these are worthwhile pursuits. This is what you should be chasing after. But because it's a fruit, it's something that we bear, and it's something that takes time. It's more than just time. I mean, if it was just time, our garden this year would be exploding. But I think because we started too late in the season, it just isn't. Maybe next year, but right now it's just not there. But we can look at that example and apply it to our lives by thinking about the water, the nutrients, the good soil, the sunlight, the warmth that these plants need. We can think about that in the context of being a Christian. Are we reading the Bible? Are we praying? Are we talking to God? Are we surrounding ourselves with believers? Are we pursuing good in our lives? And if the answer is no, we shouldn't be surprised to see us fall short in our pursuit of goodness. The next instance we see of this Greek word agathusene is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. It says, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness 
and your every deed prompted by faith. So when he says, with this in mind, the context there is he's talking about when Jesus returns and is glorified. But this just kind of reiterates the need for time for developing goodness. And maybe you, you call yourself a believer. You're a Christian, and you think, I don't have this figured out. Well, none of us have it figured out. And I certainly don't have it figured out. This message is just as much and probably more so for me than it is for everybody else in this room. I mean, I'm 32, and I just saw a TED Talk the other day that told me I am tying my shoes wrong. And I am still figuring out how to clip the fingernails on my right hand. Because once that thing is in my left hand, it's like I'm starting over. And honestly, I mean, I'm just going to keep going, I guess. Does anybody really know what a cookie is, like on a website? I mean, this is getting ridiculous. I have to accept or deny cookies every website. I don't know if I'm allowed to see the website after I reject them. I don't know what a necessary cookie is. I know when Mindy says, how many Oreos did you have? And I say, only the necessary ones. In that context, it's frowned upon. So we're just all figuring it out. I certainly am. But goodness is a journey, and that's the point. It's a journey that God wants us to be on, and God wants to guide us on. So that brings me to the next point, that goodness requires God. Goodness requires God. In this letter, Paul links goodness to God. He said, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and by his power. That's a lot, and that's deep, and I think it's impactful. This is something that we cannot attain without God, and nor should we try to. Goodness is of God, and it's from God, and it's for God. And if we want it in our lives, we shouldn't do it apart from God. Another key part of goodness is that it builds the church. And so in this, in this book, this letter, 2 Thessalonians, just like 1 Thessalonians, it's written to Christians facing hardships at the time. And 2 Thessalonians has a little bit more focus on hardships and problems within the church. And so when Paul is writing to them and appealing to them to pursue desires for goodness and good deeds, he's trying to build up the church. I saw an example of goodness, this specific form of goodness. Somebody said when Jesus cleared the temple of the money changers, he was demonstrating this agathusene goodness. He was cleansing what should be clean by driving out what was not. And that wasn't really a definition that I expected when I knew that I was going to be teaching on goodness. So that was certainly something for me to learn. But the third instance of this word, agathusne, is in Romans chapter 15, verse 14. It says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. So this builds on the fact that goodness builds the church. By show of hands, anybody here like a good admonishment, a good confrontation, anybody? My theory is that there are two types of people in the world, those who like confrontation and those who do not. 
and they typically marry each other. That has been my experience at least. Nobody really likes confrontation or admonishment, but God gives us the ability to correct and rebuke. And it's through this active virtue, this active goodness, that we're able to do that. Like I mentioned, it's from God and it's of God. So we shouldn't be surprised that it builds up the church, the body of believers meant to worship and glorify God. What I like most about this passage is that actually in the next two verses, Paul himself is admonishing the Romans. He says, Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. I know that's very serious, but that just, it seems like Paul is basically saying, per my last email right there, and I can't get past that. But he is pointing out in a very firm but loving manner, and he's doing it because of the grace that God gave him and goodness that we can only attain with and through God. In a related verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, it says that knowledge puffs up. When we think we know more than somebody else, how quick are we to point that out? When we think we know the right way to do something that somebody else isn't doing, how proud do we feel? Knowledge puffs up. In a sense, I think this goodness that we see in Paul's writing in Romans tempers that knowledge. He says that knowledge and instructing one another comes after goodness. So it's a precursor to those things. Or maybe even more importantly, it's the very foundation upon which those things are built. So goodness tempers our arrogance and our pride and guides us in a manner useful for building the church and glorifying God. A manner useful for building the church and glorifying God. And we see this continued in Ephesians chapter 5. This is the fourth time we see this word. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 9 says, Live as children of light, for the, light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Goodness builds the church, and we see that here. Find out what pleases the Lord. You know, this idea of light representing good or goodness or God and driving out the dark is a, a theme we see throughout the Bible over and over again. We see it in John chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Light exposing darkness can be a bit harsh at times. You ever check your phone in the middle of the night and the brightness is all the way up? And you're like, gah! That's, that's not comfortable. And that's kind of a silly example, but that's what these conversations can feel like. If you, if you are the one that needs to be exposed, that's not comfortable. Or maybe you're the one that needs to have the correcting and rebuking conversation. That's also not comfortable. 
Light exposing darkness can be harsh, but God gives us the ability to do so. He gives us the ability to call out, to build each other up, and expose what's in the dark. And goodness allows us to do that. Goodness is integrity. And what does integrity mean to you? This is a word that I feel like we hear a lot and never really think about. Kind of like good and goodness. Or you grow up here and you know, he's a man of integrity and you're like, seems good. I would describe integrity as your, your actions and your values are aligned and they're consistent. And in this context, I would say they align towards God. They point others to God. And so I see integrity in this Greek word, agathusene, this goodness. Goodness seeks to demonstrate God's goodness at all times. As I was thinking about this word this week, I couldn't help but think of the word maturity. And I didn't really see anybody say specifically that this goodness is maturity, but I think in the way that, that Paul writes in all these different contexts for this word, I just kept seeing maturity kind of jump off the page. And I thought of this, this definition of maturity that has always stuck with me. It says, maturity is the balance between courage and consideration. If a person can express his feelings and convictions with courage balanced with consideration for the feelings and convictions of another person, he is mature, particularly if the issue is very important to both parties. And so using that definition, I think Paul is, I mean, he's overflowing with maturity, is he not? In these letters, he says, I have written you quite boldly as if to remind you of them again. I mean, that feels like a parent reminding a child not to do something again and again and again. But he also says that he's convinced the Romans are full of goodness, able to instruct each other, full of knowledge. And he asked them to pray that he can get to be with them again in joy. There's so much courage and consideration being balanced there, and I think Paul is demonstrating maturity. I think Paul is demonstrating goodness. Goodness has an active component. If somebody's good and they keep to themselves, if they're locked away in a room or they don't interact with others, they don't interact with believers or non-believers, how do you know if they're good? How do you know if they have goodness? The only way we know is because goodness acts out. I saw somebody describe goodness as virtue equipped at every point. It's a good thing. It's something that benefits others. God benefits us with goodness so that we can benefit others, and it's not passive. It's active. And so I like thinking about these passages where Paul writes kind of admonishing these churches he's writing to and then says, but you're great. There are things you need to work on. However, I still pray for you. I still want to be with you, and I would count it as a joy to be with you. That feels just so backwards today to me. I mean, can you imagine, so picture next year, first presidential debate between whatever two 
uh, people we are just blessed with, they get up there, and one of them says, I disagree with you on such and such. However, you are so knowledgeable, and it's a joy for me to be here and to debate this with you. I can't wait to see you again. Not a chance. Just no chance at all. But that's, that's this attitude we see from Paul. And this Greek word, agathusene, comes from a broader term, agathos. Once again, that can't be how it's pronounced. Hopefully it's close. But agathos we find in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Let us not become weary in doing good for the proper time. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong in the family of believers. Yeah, Joel said to hit him with lists and then get as political as you can get. So we're going for it today. Let us do good to all people. I think I should have that on a post-it note in every room in my house, in my car, in my desk at work. I know that I fall short of doing good to all people. And I think we all do. Wouldn't it be something if instead of somebody saying about your actions, man, they sure are political. What if they said, they sure are biblical. I think that would be a transformation that's, that's worthy. And they said, man, they sure are politically divisive. What if instead of that they said, they sure are biblically grounded? I think that should be the goal for, for our church, Three Creeks, and then the big church, the body of believers. Every election season, just any season, because that's what God calls us to do. As we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people. All sides, both sides of the aisle. Somebody disagrees with you, you say it's a joy to be with you, because it should be. What if we, as believers, demonstrated goodness in a way that pointed non believers to Christ? That's, that's worthwhile to me. We also see this word in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. So what are you storing up in your heart? Going back to the garden and the fruit and the plant and the tree analogy, if you saw a tree whose bark was immaculate, the leaves looked great, but then you learned that the trunk was essentially hollow or it was rotting to its core, you probably wouldn't expect it to bear fruit, and you would probably expect it to wither. And that's, that's us if we are not pursuing God, if we are not pursuing goodness. We're not filling our heart with, with wholesome thoughts and goodness. How can we expect what overflows out of our heart to be good? How can we expect to produce good fruit when we are not being watered? We are not getting the nutrients we need, the sunlight. We're not in the Word. We're not praying. We're not praising God. We're not giving Him worship. 
We're not giving him credit, glory, or honor like he deserves. How can we expect goodness in our lives? Do you feel like you demonstrate goodness? I challenge you this week, maybe even today, ask your spouse, your kids, your parents, your friends, neighbors, coworkers, strangers, anybody, do you see goodness in my actions? And listen to them. Hear what they have to say. The only way we can really identify where we need to go in our pursuit of goodness is understanding where we are right now. If they say, you know, I don't know, then talk about it with them. Or maybe they'll say yes or no. Whatever it is, use that as an opportunity to grow. Do you do good to all people as you have the opportunity? We're all figuring this out still. I know that I am. And that's okay. We shouldn't expect to have this figured out overnight. Just like Mindy and I shouldn't have expected to have all the crops you can imagine overnight. These things take time. Goodness is simple, but at the same time, complex. It's intuitive, but it's also not entirely clear. And so seek it. But don't just pursue it flippantly. Understand that the time you commit to seeking worthy things needs to be focused time. So as you pursue goodness, you pursue the other fruit of the Spirit, do it with God. These, these fruits are of God, they're from God, they're for God. And like I said earlier, we shouldn't expect to attain them without God. And so as we, we take time to pursue it, it should take effort as well. And that effort should be focused and focused on God alone. Goodness isn't passive. It takes action to both acquire and to demonstrate. There's not really a passive component to goodness. It's how we act. It's how we convey ourselves to those around us. It's how we, we love, we build up each other. It's how we live our lives. When our values and our actions are aligned and pointed towards Christ, we're demonstrating integrity and in that goodness. Goodness requires time and it requires God. And we can't expect to attain it without God. It builds the church, it develops believers, and demonstrates God's love to non-believers. In my view, goodness is a tangible expression of the integrity in our hearts. And if we're not getting the water and the nutrients we need, then why would we expect our hearts to be full of goodness? Goodness is of God. It seems like we're saying that every week about this list in Galatians. We say love is from God, joy is from God, peace is from God, that's true goodness. It's no different. Goodness is of and from God. So it's not passive. I want to sum up with, with basically one statement. Goodness is an act of virtue that God benefits us with so that we can benefit others. Be that believers, non-believers, whoever. Goodness is active. It's active benefiting of others. It's care for others. It's love for others. 
It's letting people go first, like Nora said. It's, it's compassion. It's an act of virtue that God benefits us with so that we can benefit others. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this time to be together as a church that we get to worship and celebrate you and all that you've done and you are doing in our lives, God. Let us not take that for granted. Let us give you all the credit and all the glory for all that's good in our lives, Lord. We just, we praise you for it all. We deserve none of it, and yet you bless us abundantly, Lord. Let this church bring you glory and pursue goodness in all that we do. We just want to glorify your name above all else, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com. Thank you.